Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the videocast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. So on this episode, we have a very special guest. He's actually from the US, but he's traveled to over 116 countries. Um, so 116 countries and counting. And his yes. goal is to visit them all. Uh, so the United Nations defines a country, uh, the member states as 193. Uh, so he's pretty close. In the next few years, he's probably going to get there. And uh, he's an ex-airline employee. He worked in the marketing department. And uh, now he's gone solo. He has a, a few different websites where he helps out airline employees, uh, you know, uh, get cheap flights, and also helps travelers, uh, you know, maximize uh, the travel experience. And he also has a great website. Uh, it's a project for 2017 where he blogs every single day about a different, unfamiliar destination. So we're going to be finding out about uh, Kervin, his background in the airline industry, about uh, you know what he's currently doing with his book and his blog project, and also about his big mission to visit every single country in the world. So Kervin, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself to start off with uh, for the sake of the listeners and the viewers. Sure. Um, I guess I'm originally from Jamaica and moved to the States in the 80s. And um, I've been an airline geek pretty much uh, as long as I can remember. Took my first flight when I was nine. And um, so I really always wanted to work for an airline. So once I had that opportunity in uh, the early 90s, I'd say it is, I started working for Delta in Washington, D.C. Then I went to ATA, which the airline is no longer around uh, in Indianapolis. Uh, then I moved to Houston to work for Continental. And then uh, I did that up until 2011, from 1996 to 2011. And, uh, and now I have three websites that are uh, primary websites. And um, I always wanted to give information to users about travel, anything that makes their travel easier. So um, creating the three websites is kind of a way to do that. Well, it's awesome to have uh, you know an airline insider on the show. Uh, <laughs> I would love to hear about some of your experiences working with the airline. Like, what were some of the highlights of being employed by the airline industry, and also some of the kind of challenges? Tell us yeah. the good, both yeah. the good and the bad. <laughs> well, one of the cool things uh, when you work for an airline, you do things like um, delivery flights. So, a delivery flight is whenever the airlines order um, all the airplanes, when they get the first one of that type. Um, you get an opportunity to get on that flight. So uh, myself and another friend of mine, we had a pact that said if either of us get picked, because you can imagine there's like, what's, like our airline had about 80, 80 something thousand, and um, you don't have a lot of these airline types coming in. So uh, we had a 767-200 when it first, when uh, we were in Continental at the time, when they first got it, my friend got the ticket and he had to bring a guest, so I was his guest. And that's cool because you get to really go behind the scenes. Um, they would uh, casually draw or randomly draw one of us to sign the certificate that says um, you, the plane is now belonging to the airline. Um, so you, and you get to go up in Boeing and then you get to hang out with the executives on the flight. And it's, it's kind of, it's not a, like a commercial flight uh, because they, it's a different certificate which is really like airline mumbo jumbo, but it's, it's just not your, your, regular, your regular flight. So you can do stuff like um, we did something which is pretty cool where um, you, if you put a, a roll of toilet paper into, into the toilet and you flush it, uh, just a piece, it'll pull the entire toilet paper in. <laughs> so, that's kind of something cool that we, that we did on that trip. So 
you get to do unique things like that. Um, one thing is I love customer service. So I worked in the marketing department, and I'm the guy is where if you had any trouble with the website and you got a call that says, hey, you know, your website is terrible, it did this, it did that, I need to speak to someone in corporate, I'm the guy that you'd get. And what you find is that most customers just want to be heard. So something happened, they're really upset about it, and they just want someone to talk. So I'd be the guy who they would just listen to. I would listen to them, and then I'd go, OK, great. So you want four or five things. If I were just to give you one, what would that be? And usually, most people are quite, are quite good about it. Um, some customers you can't please. You give them as many things as possible, and it just, it just doesn't help. But yeah, so um, so I mean, I had a pr have a pretty good insight into what goes on in the airline. An interesting thing is, whenever you see these headlines about something's going wrong, I always ask myself, okay, there's not enough information, um, I, or I could say, well, the worst airline employee would never do that. Or I could say, oops, <laughs> I could see that happening. Yeah. So uh, what made you actually leave the airline industry? I mean, you worked there for a number of years. Uh, was there a key moment, or was it kind of like just you're fed up with the job after so long? Yeah. So tell us more about what made you transition out of it. Sure. Uh, well, the airlines, uh, I, the airline I worked for merged. And when they merged, um, I realized that uh, when airlines merge, or when any companies merge, you're basically starting over. Um, some employees is, are going to leave, and you're going to get new ones, et cetera. But I thought that I didn't want to build another website. I had done that before. I had done the customer service stuff. And I think I knew enough to go ahead and serve more people. When you work for a company, you can only service, serve the, the company, the customers for that particular company. And I wanted to do more. So in order for me to do more, I had to go out and do something on my own. So um, this was 2011, and actually it wasn't too long. Like June 1st um, was the day that I kind of got in my car, drove to my friend's house, spent the night, and then drove to another friend's house. And I didn't really have like a plan, because it wasn't like, OK, great, I'm going to do this tomorrow, do this the next day, et cetera. Um, it just kind of blossomed. So initially, I thought, well, you know, I stayed with a few friends, and then just do that. And what ended up happening was, um, my friends were like, well, why aren't you staying with me? And I go, well, okay, I'll stay with you then. And then most of my friends kept finding out, finding out about that. And then I had to actually pencil in people of where I could stay. So since 2011, I haven't really lived anywhere, if you want to say that. I've just lived with our friends and family around the globe, which it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, that must be challenging. Uh, you're a nomad in the tr true sense of the word. Yes, yes. Uh, so tell, tell us about the sites you run. I mean, you run the three different ones. So maybe walk us through the first sure. one. Uh, and you, maybe the first one that you started. Go for it. OK, absolutely. So I run Passweather.com. Uh, well, the first site I started was Cruising Altitude back in 1998. And it wasn't called a blog then. It was just like a website. And um, I pretty much wrote that one by hand, uh, did HTML, because we didn't have any other tools. And then Microsoft created something called Front Page. And if you know Front Page, <laughs> and, um, and Front Page is good, but it had a lot of bloated code in it. So I'd use Front Page and I'd create it and I'd take it all the code and then publish it otherwise. And then um, I started Passwriter in 2002. And I cruised an altitude. The purpose behind that was 
just to share, I realized that I was very fortunate working for an airline. So I would take pictures of the airplanes and the airports and things like that and post on their website just to give people an idea of what airplanes look like, what airplanes inside look like, what airports look like, and things like that. Back then, we didn't have such a uh, security issue as we did now, so you could do a lot of dif different things. Uh, 2002 rolled around, and I started another site called passrider.com because I used to have um, lines around my cubicle um, at work of people just asking questions. Matter of fact, one of my colleagues wrote a little plaque that says travel advice on it, and I had it next to my name tag at my cubicle. Um, and it was great because I, I believe in traveling, so I would be the person who travel like every week I'd go somewhere. And I'd leave on a Thursday or a Friday and come back on a Sunday or a Monday. And uh, just, just this year, I started um, uh, Unfamiliar Destinations. And that site gives you one unfamiliar destination for 2017. And what I realized was there's a lot of really cool places that I've visited, but people don't really go because, one, they don't know about it, or um, you know, they, they, just, they just don't. Well, I guess because they don't know about it, they just don't go. Um, so I'll give you an example. Like, have you been to Rome, Rick? Um, yeah, actually, happy okay. to Rome. I did a big trip in Europe, and Rome was one of the places I went to. Excellent. So you know where you landed when you went to Rome? Uh, where did I land? You mean I didn't actually fly into Rome. You I didn't uh, fly in. I, okay. I, I went overland into Rome. Okay. Yeah. Well, if you fly into Rome, everyone will fly into Fumicina, or if you. Um, yeah, you, uh, there's uh, two other airports, but the main one is Fumicina. Well, the city of Fumicina is actually a really great city. And if you really want a taste of Italy, you go to Fumicina. Fumicina. Rome is very commercial, and Fumicina is right there. I mean, basically, instead of taking the bus to go left into the city, you go right to Fumicina. Great hotels. Um, it's actually a fishing village, and people speak Italian. They're just like they do the rest of the rest of Italy. But it's more... It's you just get a flavor of the the good food, the good people, and things like that. So that's what the website tries to do. Same thing with Tokyo. If you fly into Tokyo, you fly into Narita um, or Haneda, which is in the center of the city. But uh, Narita is one of those cities that are unfamiliar destination, and that just has one of the biggest um, temples in in Tokyo. So those are the kind of destinations that I try to to focus on, just to give people a different taste um, of a particular country. Well, you know, I, I started my blog back in 2012, Kervin, and uh, cool. for my first year of blogging, uh -huh. I actually did write every single day, and I'm super proud of myself. I pretty much missed only like four or five days in the whole yeah. year, just because nice. of obviously like work commitments or busyness or just, uh, you know, um, whatever the factors were. But, uh, you know, the fact that uh, right now is July uh, 2017 when we recorded mm -hmm. this, and you have pretty much written, uh, you have written every single day without yeah. fail for exactly. six, uh, six months plus. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> it, it's, it's interesting because um, my life is actually structured around making sure the blog post goes out, goes out every day. Um, and I do them daily. Um, what I did, what I've, I put a template together, which I've been, you know, um, getting better as we go along. Um, I do have uh, a VA that helps me. But what I do is I put the structure together, I pick the city, and then um, she will go in and she will put stuff like um, a link to the map 
Uh, she'll go find the tourist board. She'll find um, the hotel links. And then I still go back in. I check all that information. And then I'll add, I'll write all the text and stuff that's in there. So she just does the links. And, and sometimes what will happen is that I'll have a whole bunch of them. And I go, well, I'm not going to choose that one today. So I have to start a, a fresh one each time. And it takes me anywhere from one to two hours. The hardest thing is to find pictures. Uh, and I, I have a lot of photos, but some places I've been to a long time ago. So what I find is I have to revisit places so I can get updated photos. But it's a challenge. It is certainly a challenge. I remember when I did my uh, daily blog, I uh -huh. actually would uh, schedule my day around my blog too, uh, because I didn't want to just like uh, auto. Because you can schedule a blog so you can right. it can go at any time. But I wanted to be truthful in it to actually have it published by midnight of every day. So exactly. if you look if you look back at my blog, it will show you like some of them are like eleven fifty seven, eleven fifty nine, and I just hit the threshold. You just of made it. Yeah. Yeah. So, the interesting uh, thing is that yeah. when I, when I'm when I'm uh, in uh, in Europe because I'm eight hours ahead, I actually do much better. Yes. Because I can stay up until like four o'clock in the morning, <laughs> and I realize I could still write the blog by then, which is still just like it is almost midnight here. So it's quite interesting. Uh, so Kervin, you have a big uh, hairy. Uh, audacious goal. They call it a big, hairy, audacious goal, a bag, uh, which is to visit every country in the world. And actually, yeah. that's my goal, too. I'm, oh, wow, uh, cool. I'm not as far ahead as you. I'm at, uh, I'm in Bogota, Colombia, as we're doing this interview. Uh -huh. and this is my 68th country, and we're, we're going to be spending, um, you know, next few months in South America. So yeah. we'll head over 70, uh, and then we're going to go to Central America. We'll probably hit close to 80, and then uh, the big continent we haven't done, which I think it has well 50 plus countries. So, you know, uh, I am also inching my way up to the top there. Uh, but you've already covered 116 as yeah. of this interview. And, uh, you know, when people are listening, you might be at 120 or 130 by the time <laughs> people listen. So, uh, tell us about um, how did you get there? Uh, tell us about how many was uh, through the airline industry and then how many was after the airline uh, job was over. Oh, okay. Um, Oh, that's an interesting one. I, well, the very, very first one was Martinique. And uh, I did Martinique as a, an exchange student. Um, I was doing uh, French in high school. And um, I jumped at the opportunity. This is uh, 1980. I jumped at the opportunity to, do, to head over to Martinique. So on that uh, particular trip, I did Martinique, and I also did Haiti. And um, I guess I got the, I, I always had a travel bug. I think I got the travel bug from my grandmother. She is, she's a traveler. Because she would always like show up. Uh, we lived in the country, and um, she'd show up in the city, um, and you know we had no idea how she got there, but she did. And uh, I think so. It was always a thing just to visit every country. I don't have a goal that says I have to do it by I'm like a particular age. I just basically do them when I can. So um, I did a lot while I was in the airline industry because in the airline industry you don't join an airline to make money you join it to because you love people and you love to travel the world even if you work inside the industry inside when i say inside i mean like behind the scenes not like a, a flight attendant or a pilot or a gate agent or someone like that um you really do it because you you want to see the world and you want to meet people and you love to serve people so um I'm trying to think of how many I did up until 2011. Um, I think I was already at 100 then. Uh, I've kind of slowed down. Um, 
I'm the crazy guy. I do about 250,000 miles a year. Uh, yeah, and at my peak, I did 546,000 one year. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> I love to fly. I mean, I've, I've done 166, probably 167 airlines. So um, I, I love aviation. Um, I, I, I just love to travel, yeah. You mentioned you did uh, that many airlines. How many? Do you know how many total airlines there are in the world, roughly? Well, the database has about five thousand <laughs> different airlines. I mean, uh, yeah. that's I had no idea that that many airlines. Yeah, they're not they're not all still um, functional or running, but um, there is there's a lot of airlines out there. Um, what you find is that there's a lot of low like low cost airlines, the smaller airlines. But in terms of maybe the larger airlines, you probably have about, I want to say, maybe about 200 or so, probably a little more than that. Oh, I think I lost the signal with you. You still there, Rick? Looks like we might have lost the signal. Technology is great. Yep. Okay, apologies. I had a little bit of a technical hiccup with That's the okay. Wi-Fi. Uh, tell us about uh, what you were saying about the number of airlines. How many major airlines are there in the world? Um, I'm trying to. I I, I would think. Geez, there's probably. Probably under 200, I'd say, in terms of like the major, major airlines that are around there. Um, if if you think of each, typically most countries have their own airline, at least at least at least one. So we're looking at 193 right there. Um, plus, you know, you have, a, you have a lot of low cost airlines. So if I were to fathom a guess, I'd say in terms of active airlines, uh, there's probably about 500 or so. That are that are still that are still active. I could be wrong, but I, I, that's probably a good guess. Yeah, that's almost a whole blog post in, its, in itself, or a website in itself about all the different airlines. Because I get quite fascinated by them as well. I'm uh -huh. not as much of a geek as you, but uh, <laughs> uh, you know, like whenever I'm in a new country and we fly a new airline, I get super excited and I take pictures yeah. with them. I also like even like the air stewardesses because they have or stewards because they have different uniforms and exactly they match the country uh, colors and themes and even the yep. animals. So uh, if you have a traveler, almost the airlines uh, are also a fascination. So I can see why you're so passionate about both travel <laughs> and the airline industry. Exactly, because what I try to do is when I fly, if I can at all, I try to fly, uh, if I'm going to the country for the first time, I try to fly the airline, the flagship carrier of that country. It doesn't always happen, but uh, like I just flew into, I did Moldova, I didn't fly Air Moldova, but I flew um, uh, one uh, low-cost carrier called Fly One, uh, which is from Moldova. And then I flew um, Romania, but I'd been to Romania before, but I hadn't flown Tarim, and Tarim is the local airline there. So as much as I can, I try to fly the local airline. 
So, Kervin, uh, you've been to, uh, as we said, 116 countries so far. Um, uh -huh. What are some of the highlights? I mean, do you have any favorite cities, countries, continents, destinations out of sure. your years of experience? Um, the, my favorite place to go is the south of France uh, in Caen, C-A-N-N-E-S, because I always pronounce that wrong. And, um, and it's because they, they, the water is just blue, uh, the people are friendly. Um, so that's kind of that's kind of like if I had to like go somewhere to lay my head, that's probably where I'd, I'd go hang out for a little bit. Um, favorite favorite country is tough, um, but I guess by default it's the United Kingdom because I I I fly to London. I'm probably there once a month or something. Uh, my friends think I live there. <laughs> it's quite funny, but I think it's because I grew up in Jamaica. And um, it's that it's that British thing. You, you grew up with, with with a British, I guess, um, uh, you know, British teachings, British English, and stuff like that. So I think that's why I probably I probably like the UK. Um, I, I'm from the Caribbean, so I love I love the Caribbean. Um, actually, um, I was just in Saint Croix, and I found a place uh, that had uh, doubles in uh, in Saint Croix. And it was really, really good. Yeah, it's good stuff. But now that yeah, we were we were just in Trinidad and Tobago for the last yeah. couple of weeks, and we absolutely uh -huh. love the Caribbean. Uh, such friendly people, such a rich culture, and of course, such natural beauty with the islands, the, the the blue skies, the wonderful turquoise water. Uh, so yeah, we we look forward to visiting more of the Caribbean. Uh, so yeah. uh, out of the you know the. Uh, I'm trying to do my math here. You have about 70 countries or so left to go. Uh, tell us about some of the places still on the list. The list uh, yeah. Yet to, yet to complete. So um, I have a lot of Africa to do. So um, I've done about eight, six to eight. I say six to eight because um, Kenya and Ethiopia, I've only passed through the airports. Now, the, the official Century Club says if you pass through the airport, if you've if you've landed or taken off from a country, you've locked the country, and there's a whole big argument in the travel industry about oh well you haven't really been there, you haven't met the people, and I and I say to folks I go, when you go to an airport, who do you think works at the airport? It's people from that country, so you actually experience the culture while you're there, and I can hang out in the airport for two hours, and I pretty much now I haven't seen the sights, but I've experienced the culture, or I've had a beer. So um, I have quite a bit of Africa left. I, I'm hopefully going to do Botswana and I think Zimbabwe, working with a safari company later this year. Um, I haven't done any of the smaller ones like in, in the Pacific, uh, like um, you know, Vanuatu, the Cook Islands, and things like that. And those are a lot different. Now, unfortunately, the US has a few restrictions. So some of the places that I really want to go, I can't do just yet. Like you know, the Syrias, the Irans, um, the Iraqs, Afghanistan. Um, so those are probably gonna be the probably the, the last ones because you know the world. Hopefully, the world will get better, and uh, <laughs> we can actually roam where we want to roam without being suspected of doing something. Because <laughs> the interesting thing is, like, I tell people that if I if I was an immigration officer, when I look at my passport, I'd suspect me. <laughs> because I travel very haphazardly and I have no pattern to my travels and it's all for fun but you know I mean sometimes I go into some countries and the guy's looking through my passport and he goes 
you don't stay home at all, do you? <laughs> and I go, well, not really. So no, but I, 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 I love to travel. So the, the most difficult ones is, um, is probably going to be the ones that require visas and, um, and shots because those I have to plan for. And, and for me, it's really difficult to plan. Um, I just get up and go. And I have one blob, well, maybe three dots left in South America. I haven't done Suriname, Guy Guyana, nor um, Bolivia. So I have those to do. Yeah, we actually were in that area. We were in Brazil, and then we went uh, into French Guyana, which is technically not a country. It's a department of France. Yeah, we I did do that one. Yeah, then we went to Suriname, uh, uh -huh. which is a former Dutch colony. Now it's independent. A great country. I really loved it. And then we went yeah. to Guyana, which is former British colony and now independent. And then from uh, Guyana, that's when we flew into Trinidad and Tobago. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, cool. I, I think with a lot of people, Africa is usually uh, um, some of the last countries and also the South Pacific and the war ravaged countries, like you said, yeah. and all yeah. those with hard visas. So, uh, you know, how do you define uh, being, being in a country? Because you mentioned like the Traveler Century <laughs> Club definition. Uh, some people say you got to pass through customs. Some people say you got to get the stamp. Some people say you got to stay overnight. Some people say you just have to have a, a lunch or a beer. Uh, yeah. How do you define it for yourself? As long as I've taken off on land there, it counts. And, and what happens is that I will, everywhere I've been, I've been there um, at least twice, except for Johnson Island. I mean, because uh, Johnson Island is an island in the, in the Pacific, and it's actually a US military base, so you can't land there anymore. Uh, used to be when you land, you have to pull down the shades. You can't take any photos. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, United Belt continent of Micronesia used to fly there. It, it was a part of the island hopper, the six stopper that goes through the Caribbean, I mean, the, the Pacific. Mm. Uh, but now it's only a five stopper, so it doesn't do Johnston Island anymore. Um, but yeah, as long as I've landed and take off, it counts. And it doesn't matter the number of hours. Uh, do you have a certain minimum number of hours or, like you said, interaction with the locals yeah. or um, just landing and taking off, basically? Just, just landing and taking off. Um, and I mean, like, my very first time through Russia, um, I was connecting to Hamburg from New York. And you don't need a visa to connect if you're, if you're like, if you're going from Aeroflot to Aeroflot, you don't need a visa. As long as the terminals um, are connected to each other, so typically Aeroflot to Aeroflot, you're fine. Um, and that was my first time. So the next time I flew through, um, I actually went to, my, my destination was Moscow. So I went in and I, I checked to check Moscow. And Moscow is actually, it gets a bad rap, but it's a really, really nice city. Um, and people are friendly, but only, if you know them, they'll speak to you or they'll smile. But if you don't know them, they're never going to smile. <laughs> so uh, you've done this amazing uh, adventure around the world several, several, several times. Tell us about some of your struggles as well because, uh, you know, on social media and on the Internet, we usually just hear the good stuff. But there are a lot of struggles. So tell us some of your, your deepest, darkest struggles. Tell us those. <laughs> um, you know what's interesting? So... I am pretty laid back, and um, I try not to let things uh, upset me or not to upset people. So um, I'll, I'll give an example. I was going into Ireland, and this guy, he didn't want to stand on, on, the, on the queue, and he kept like jumping out of the queue trying to go to the other line. And the immigration officer is like, well, you need to go back. And he kept doing that. So then when I went up to the immigration officer, he's like, God, I sure hope I get that guy. 
And I'm like, yeah, he's quite the idiot. I mean, he's coming into the country. Why is he trying to jump ahead, knowing that you're probably going to give them a hard time if he does? So um, I don't really have, when I travel, I don't have any issues. Um, I've been followed. Um, I think it was actually in Norway. I was walking down the street, and I noticed this guy was following me on the other side. Um, and I noticed him. I crossed the street. He crossed the street. I crossed the street again, and he crossed the street. And because I have no, because I noticed him, um, I looked around and I looked at him, and then he walked away. So um, I, you know, I guess knock on wood, I haven't really had any issues. I mean, I was with two other friends in a train in Paris, and uh, some guys tried to. He so <laughs> he came up and he was talking to me, and I'm talking uh, and practicing my French with him. He was asking where to go, and meanwhile, his buddy was trying to get into my friend's handbag. She notices him on the side, and she um, she quickly looks around. He didn't get anything. He ran away. When I looked around, the other guy who was his accomplice ran away and ran through the door. So um, I mean, I'm I'm very cautious when I when I travel. If my mind tells me you're a bad person, you're a bad person. And I stay away. I'm not the, oh, I don't think he's bad. No, when your mind tells you something, if your stomach doesn't feel good, something is wrong. Um, if, I'm, if I'm looking for directions or stuff like that, I will stand with my back to a wall so I can actually see what's around me. Um, I make sure that I know what's going on. I, won't, I don't walk down you know, dark alleys and things like that. So I do, I, I'm, I become a smart traveler. Um, you know, anything can happen, but I think if you just be on your P's and Q's, and most people you meet are really, really nice people. Um, you know, occasionally you'll meet the guy who will, you know, try to rip you off or something like that. Um, but, you know, it, that's going to happen. You just have to be prepared for something like that. Yeah, you know, I definitely agree with you there. Um, we had so many warnings when we went to, for example, Johannesburg, South Africa, when mm -hmm. we went to Rio de Janeiro, everyone saying, yeah, you're going to get robbed. Don't go to Coca-Cola. Don't go to Ipanema. Don't walk around Joburg. Uh, but, uh, right. you know, for the most part, people are so friendly. And especially because we travel with our kids, people are extra aware of uh, our needs. And people say, hey, do you, know, do you need something? Can we help you yeah. out? So, you know, for the most part, I totally agree with you. The world is good, and so are all the people in it. it yeah, it, it, it definitely is. And, and so, so one thing that, like, when you go to these countries, people are like, so where are you staying? Like, you know, cab drivers will ask you that. I just go, I don't know. I haven't figured it out yet. Or if they go, are you waiting for somebody? Someone, I'm like, yes, I'm waiting for someone. You know, so you don't have to tell people your plans. If you know what you're doing, just do what you're doing. And don't, if you want to ask questions, ask a police officer or ask someone who is behind a desk or something. Um, but the random guy coming up to you and asking you where you're going, it's none of his business. Yeah, so. So, Kervin, um, uh, what advice would you give to someone who's just starting to travel? I mean, uh, you're from the U.S. and you've traveled to 116 countries. There are someone <laughs> in your country that don't even have a passport. They're a lot, right? Yes. Uh, and they've never actually left their own state or their own country. So uh, what would you give to someone who's maybe listening or watching this interview and they want to travel, but they just don't know where to start? Yeah. What would you tell that person? I would say start local. Um, do something simple. Like if, uh, let's say you live in, I'll choose New York, for example. 
if you live in like like if you live in say say live in Manhattan and you've never been anywhere, go upstate New York. Um, upstate New York is so different from the rest of the state. Uh, a lot of people they want to go international, um, which is good, but I think you need to get accustomed to being out of your comfort zone, staying in a different place other than your house, um, buying a ticket, getting on a train. Um, you know, you can do domestic travel. So uh, it doesn't have to be a plane. It can be a bus. You can take, a, I, I take quite a bit of buses and trains. Uh, you know, if you're in Europe, you can get on a train in another country in like an hour because um, some of the countries are really small and the borders uh, and they, uh, the trains are very fast. So I would say definitely do something small first, and then you can you can branch out. Um, a passport is something that you should get, but if you're in the U.S., um, you can go you can go to a lot of places without a passport. Like you can go to you can go to Puerto Rico without a passport. You can go to Saint Thomas, Saint Croix, Saint John's. Uh, you know, all all without uh, a passport. You can go to Hawaii, eight and a half hours flight without a passport. If you want to go to uh, the, the from Houston to London is eight and a half hours, and Houston to Hawaii is eight and a half hours, so you don't have to go to London first. You can go to Hawaii if you want to experience a long flight and don't worry about you know the jet lag. And although Hawaii is about like five hours behind Houston, but still, um, it's it's still a good it's still a good place to go. Some great tips there. I totally agree with you. I recommend people just start locally. Uh, yep. Start in your own province, your own state. Uh, try something different. If you've always done a, a, a bus, maybe try the train. Or uh, just, uh, you know, if you've always traveled to English-speaking countries, maybe try a Spanish one or a French one or a German-speaking country. Just to try something different, uh, and then you get more comfortable. It's kind of like a muscle, right? The travel <laughs> right. muscle. The more, exactly. the more, you, the more yeah. you work it, the better it'll get. And, Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and now you become the expert traveler, right? That's your kind of the moniker on yeah. social media. And one other thing, too, is um, just be nice to everyone. Just say hello. Uh, what you'll find is if you just say hello to someone, they'll, they'll open up to you. But what I've noticed is that like, when people checking in for a flight, they get up to the agent and they just slap their passport down on the counter. And it's like reverse the role. If somebody came up to you and they just slapped the passport in front of your face, you know, your attitude is completely different by then. But if they come up and say, hey, how are you doing today? How's your morning? How's your afternoon? All of a sudden, they're like, oh, they're interested in me. And be genuine, you know. Don't just say it because it sounds good. Um, I, I give an example. I was uh, checking into a hotel in, in um, LA. And the, the girl, she just looked perplexed. And I said, well, how are you doing today? She goes, I'm OK. I go, yeah, I don't think so. So then she, I guess, you know, tell me what's wrong. And she's like, well, you know, I was in a car accident this morning. And um, my car was total. I, I said, are you doing okay? She goes, yeah, I'm fine. And she was literally shaking. And I said, you know, it'll work out. She said, yeah, but, you know, I had to be at work. I can't even go figure it out yet because I had to be here. And I was the only, the, you know, apart from, I guess, her family, I was probably the only person that she had spoken to about it. And I have this weird knack to recognize when something is wrong with people and they'll start to tell me stuff. So if you just genuinely ask for people are, and just listen, because most people, that's all they want you to do, it'll make your trip 10, to 10 times better. 
Yeah, it is really those small random acts of kindness when you're traveling. Uh, and I think we're like similar personalities. We're super <laughs> friendly and people are like, what's wrong with you guys? How come you're so friendly? Like, uh, uh, I'll tell you a little story of what we, what, what do you, we do when we're, when we're stuck in rush hour traffic. Uh -huh. We roll down the window and I have uh, young kids. I have a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and a one-year-old. So I, 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 we roll down the window and I tell my kids, I'm like, just tell the people who are stuck in rush hour traffic, have a nice day, wave. And, and I call <laughs> I like, like this, honk, 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 honk. And you know what? People are grumpy when there's rush hour traffic. Like they have like these stern like looks, like kind of like uh, their their veins are popping out. And then when uh, my little daughter waves and say beep 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 beep, and and, and you'll see like this angry looking person smile and say beep beep, and then they get happy. And then, uh, exactly. and then my daughter will say have a nice day, and they're like thank you. And their whole attitude changes through a simple gesture from a little kid. Um, exactly. So, you know, there's just little things like you do, like we, like like I try to do, that can really have a huge impact in the people we meet while we're traveling. Absolutely, and, and it is all about people you meet when you travel too. So that's good. I I, I love the kids uh, being friendly to everyone, because you know how could you be mad at a little one year old or a five year old? You just can't. <laughs> I don't know about that. I mean, you are in the airline industry, and when you have a crying baby on an airplane, a lot of people are angry at that crying baby. So they are. And I say to them, I go, think about it. Do you think the mother goes, hey, baby, I want you to cry right now? It's like, no, they're just as upset. And there's nothing they can do. The kid's crying. And kids get grumpy. I mean, I was landing on that flight I did to Moscow. I was landing. And this is, there were 50 babies on that flight. And it was a 777, which was like about 300 and something people. That's the most babies I've ever flown with. When we were landing, you could hear it was like a, it was like a crescendo. You could hear the music. You know, one kid would start crying in the back, the other one started crying again. And you could hear that throughout the entire flight. But you know, there's nothing you can do. They're children. They can't control it. But yeah, people get people were upset. I'm like, you know, just get over it. Yeah, what do you said you were a baby as well. What's your yeah. thing? <laughs> exactly, exactly, yeah. yeah. So, uh, Kervin, uh, what are some of your next projects uh, on the go? Uh, you have the three websites, you have this mission for 193. Any other major projects you're working on uh, in, in travel or, in be or beyond? Sure. Um, so, I, I've written, this is my second book. Uh, the first one I, I wrote was about um, um, how, basically how to be an airline employee, um, kind of what you need to go do to have a better experience. And um, that one I actually give away as my, my free gift for people to sign up for my newsletter on passwriter.com. And um, I'm, I finished a second book, which is 89 Things to Do as an Internet Employee Before You Quit. And um, that one, what I'm doing, I'm doing the second read and checking for links and doing all this stuff. So, um, and also waiting on comments from uh, the initial set of readers. So that should be launched. Uh, I want to say within the next month or so. <laughs> it's weird because it's taken me forever to write. And when you finish writing a book, you think you're finished. Then you got to get it edited. Then you have to go back and reread it. And the more you read it, the more stuff you find that needs to be changed. So that's where I am right now. So the book is the next big project. And um, I guess just kind of, oh, the other thing too is that uh, my next project, once I finish with this book thing, is. Um, stopovers so there are uh, 30 about 30 countries in the world or cities in the world that you can get what's called a free stopover now free in terms of uh, the cost of your ticket is not more 
but you still have to pay for like hotels and stuff like that. So as an example, if you want to go from New York to Europe, you can stop in Iceland, and you can go on Wall Air or um, Iceland Air, and the airfare won't be any additional, and it'll work with local operators. So actually, Iceland Air, and I think while I was doing it, now they have what's called a buddy. So someone from the country will actually meet you at the airport and show you around and things like that. So, um, but there isn't anything that has an entire list of what it is. So um, I've started working on that, and I do that when my spare time, whenever that is. So it's almost it's, it'll take a little while to get done. So, so when you mention stopovers, um, are you talking like just an overnight stopover? Or are you saying that you could actually extend it to like five days or three days or a couple of days? Uh, tell us more about the stopover uh, sure. concept. So um, each country has a different um, concept with it. So for example, uh, Air Canada actually did one where if you're going from the US to anywhere, you could stop in, I think it was Toronto. Uh, it ended, I think, end of December. But you could stop for I think anywhere up to two or three days without having to pay extra. They were just trying to get more people to one fire account and two visit to visit Toronto. Um, Abu Dhabi, for example, with Etihad, if you fly through um, to Abu Dhabi, they will actually give you if you're in a business class, you get like two hotel nights free or something like that. Um, and so, and if you fly through Dubai, Emirates will give you an extra hotel night. Uh, if you go through Singapore, Singapore Airlines uh, will give you one or two nights. So different places that you that you fly through, uh, and the idea is you're getting two vacation for the price of one, and they hope that you come, you like the country. Next time, that'll be your destination. So that's the idea behind it. Yeah, I remember when I was actually in Dubai and I was flying into uh, Cape Town, uh, sorry, into Johannesburg from mm -hmm. Dubai. Uh, we uh, went through Qatar Airways and uh, they said we could have actually got off in Doha, which yes. is the capital of Qatar and actually explored, but we needed to apply for some kind of visitor pass. So we didn't actually end up doing it. But in hindsight, if we did our research and our due diligence, we could have actually seen another country. Yes, and, uh, exactly. So that's an example of uh, something what you're talking about. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and and the stopovers, uh, like uh, TAP also has one. So you can stop in Lisbon or Porto on your way to or from the U.S. And it has to be a round trip, round trip, which is kind of weird why they do that. Um, another one that has it is Finnair. You can stop in Helsinki on your way to uh, to Europe from the U.S. Um, and in the U.S., the U.S. carriers don't really play that game, I guess, because everybody comes to the U.S. anyway. You normally do it if you're trying to get people to one fly your airline and two um, enjoy a little more of your of your country and be a return visitor. It's de definitely a great project you're working on there, and I think it's much needed because I think people just overlook it. Uh, I'll give you another yeah. example of how I used it. Uh, uh, we actually flew from Trinidad and Tobago into mm -hmm. Bogota via Pan Panama, and uh, we had an overnight. Uh, stay in Panama and it was only uh, we arrived at I think uh, 7 p.m. and uh -huh. we left it the next day at 9 a.m. most people in that situation would check in the hotel have some dinner go to sleep wake up the next morning and leave guess what we did <laughs> <laughs> we hired a, a taxi for Good two man. hours to take us around all of Panama so we saw the Panama Canal we saw the old city of Panama and the uh -huh. new downtown area and it cost us about 60 US dollars to do it because we were in a private taxi but yeah. hey um, I'd never been to Panama ever in my life, and I had never seen the Panama Canal. And we made that kind of uh, decision last minute, and it worked out well because now I have a story to tell, uh, both about what I just shared now, but also about seeing the Panama Canal, one of the major architectural wonders of uh, the world. 
so yeah, I, I, I think I need to use uh, <laughs> what you're saying to start with it more, and I think most people do as well. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just that people don't they don't really they don't really think about it, um, and and the airlines are, are they really have a big kick to try to get that uh, to try to get people to do that. Um, in same thing in Australia, I think uh, Qantas and I think maybe Virgin Australia. Um, has a program. Now, some airlines they've had the program; it didn't really work that well, and they've dropped it. Uh, so, when you research, you may not, you may not, you may find something, but it no longer exists. Oh, Cathay Pacific for Hong Kong has an excellent program, and uh, I mean, so all these countries where they will fly. This is their country here, and they go to the U.S. or they go to Europe from their country. If you're if you're passing through, they want you to stop in their country. So that's the idea. How, how does it work uh, with the stopover, um, you know, concept if you're booking online? Because a lot of us, we book on Booking.com or Expedia or some of the other travel right. sites. And uh, um, they don't usually allow that stopover, do they? Uh, usually it's like, okay, point A, point B. And by the way, you have to stop here at point A, a yeah. slash B. <laughs> so uh, how can you do that when you're booking online through some um, sites? You really have to go to the websites, to the airline website to do it. So, for example, with Wire Air, if you go to Wire Air's website, I have a special thing set up that you can do it. Um, so is it if you go to uh, Iceland Air. Um, now, what you can do is uh, usually the fare that the airline has is is usually the same airfare that you'll find on any of the other the other websites. Um, they're called online booking agencies. If that's what you want, if that's what you want to call them. But if you want to do like the if you want to do like the uh, the Qatar one. The Etihad, the Emirates, all those you have to actually go to their website. Some of them you can't book it online. Uh, the best one is Iceland Air. They have like a really nice interface for you to do it. Um, but you, you you typically have to go to the airline. You're probably thinking, well, maybe I'm gonna not gonna get the right pair. Well, you can check. So you can go on, do the stopover on the airline website, and then go check the airfare on um, uh, another website and see if the fares are the same. And usually, they're about the same. Well, I think a lot of our listeners and viewers are going to be changing their travel plans <laughs> to incorporate the stopover. Uh, you know, to end off, uh, I actually wanted to ask you about uh, this one thing as well. You uh -huh. mentioned the 83 tips about uh, what people should do when they leave the airlines. Tell us maybe the top three tips, because uh, I know that people in our network, uh, our listeners and viewers who are working uh -huh. in airlines, so what should they do before they leave? So you're talking about eight and eight and nine things uh, um, to do as an airline employee before you quit. Yeah. Um, exactly. So exactly. one of the thing is um, we we have the ability to give people free passes. So um, if you can give someone a free pass, then then you should because uh, it's not simply it's it's giving somebody a trip to go somewhere. One, it, it, they don't expect it, and two they will get an opportunity to go experience something that you take for granted. Um, you know, like, as an early employee, you know, we go to Paris, we go to Amsterdam. If you get to the airport and you want to go to one place, you decide to go to another. We do that in our sleep. Um, but other people don't have that opportunity. Uh, one of the other things is um, you can fly around the world in a weekend. So um, if you wanted to say go, like, like if you're in the U.S., you can actually do a routing that will take you, uh, say, from uh, Houston to Hong Kong, um, and then you can go uh, Hong Kong to, say, Singapore, 
Singapore to London and London back to the US. So that kind of stuff would cost you a fortune and a lot of planning. But as an airline employee, with the different tickets and, and uh, arrangements you have with different airlines, it won't cost you too much, and you can do it in a weekend. Um, the other one uh, that's in there is um, uh, j just do a day trip. So um, a lot of people wouldn't think, well, let me just fly to San Francisco for a day from, say, from, from, say New York. Well, as an alien employee, you can do that. Um, so you fly, you, you get on an early morning flight, you get to San Francisco probably about 10 o'clock. Then you can go to a bunch of stuff in San Fran, and you, at the end of the day, you take a red eye and fly back to New York. So you don't have to do a hotel. Uh, and this is, I mean, you can do this as a regular person, but it's going to cost you quite a bit of money. And you're probably like, well, I don't want to go for just a day if it's going to cost me like three, $400 for a round trip. But as an airline staff, it's usually, usually you don't pay for the ticket or you just pay the taxes. Now, it's free because there's no money out of my pocket. But you know, it's my blood, sweat, and tears that working for the airlines. Well, probably not blood, but sweat and tears. So working for the airline that paid for it. So those are kind of three of the things that you can do, um, just because you're an airline employee, and you do it in the sense that it would have cost you a fortune, otherwise. And it's something like flying around the weekend is pretty expensive, because um, you're doing like twenty-three thousand miles, and you're doing it, and you leave it. You can leave on a Friday night, and you get back on a Sunday night or uh, Monday morning. Oh, the other thing, too, is that you can go have Chinese food in China. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's little things like that, just things that we take for granted as alien employees, but we really shouldn't. That's what we're looking at. Does that help? Oh, I think you froze again. <laughs> Let's see. He froze again. That is back. <laughs> There you are. All right. Hey, uh, hey everyone. Uh, almost anyone to be here. Unfortunately, uh, here over the Columbia, the hostel I'm in, uh, a little bit of choppy internet. Uh, so, Kirvin, um, you know, you fly, uh, you, you fly, uh, you have flown, and you are flying a lot, and you will fly a lot. Uh, do you have any uh, party words of advice to people who do fly? I mean, you are the travel expert. Uh, <laughs> you are a frequent flyer. And there are other people who don't fly as much. So anything sure. in terms of... Um, uh, the check-in process, the customs, the immigration process in terms of acting. Give us, give us, give us your wealth of wisdom. Uh, okay. For us, so we don't travel as much as you do. Um, always check in online. Uh, that's the number one thing. A lot of people don't. Um, read the rules for the ticket that you're buying. Uh, because what you will find is a lot of things that you're complaining about, they were in the rule, but you, did, you just didn't take a, a, the time to read it. Um, Remember that the airlines, they are in the business of making money. Um, so when a flight is delayed, it's not delayed because they want it to be delayed. 
And that agent who is checking you in, don't yell at that agent. They have nothing to do with it. They, they just think they have a family as well. So if that flight is delayed, they have to stay there and babysit you until that flight leaves. So don't make their life a living hell because there's no need for it. I know you want to shout at someone, but it's not their fault. And also, when they tell you the flight is delayed and you look outside and it's sunny and you call your relative and your destination and they're telling you it's also sunny, that doesn't mean anything. Because uh, you don't understand the, the, um, how the airline works. So don't do that. Don't go over to the agent and make a fuss. And the other thing, too, is download the app. If the airline has an app, Download the app because that app will give you, you can use the check-in. You can see the seat maps on most of them, so you can tell if someone's going to sit next to you or not. And if you have children, please, please, please get a seat before you get to the airport so at least you and your family can sit together. Um, one of the hardest things is when you get to the airport, there's not any seats together and you and the family sitting all over the place. Just think about it. What you're about to do is inconvenience other people so that you can be happy when you could have avoided that if you'd gotten your seats. So those are probably some of the things that you should really do. And when, when you buy the ticket, it's not just about the ticket. Check your bags because sometimes you have to pay extra for bag because you went and you bought the cheapest fare. Also, if you're a frequent flyer collecting miles, make sure that the ticket you're buying, you can actually get miles on that. Because some of the tickets you can't get miles. You may get 25%, you may get 50%, or you may get 100%. And sometimes all it takes is an extra $20 to get 100% uh, or 50%. Now, it's not very easy to do that, but you need to check that at first. Don't yell at the agent because you didn't do the right thing. Some great tips there. Uh, you know, one of the frustrating things I find is the whole process of uh, first checking in, then going through the uh, immigration, going through the customs, taking yeah. off everything, uh, your laptop, etc. Uh, is there anything you can do about that, or you just have to roll with it? Because it's so frustrating. Because like even when I flew into Colombia, I had like mosquito uh, spray, and we need mosquito spray because there's mosquitoes in South America. Yeah, they're like looking at this thing. They're like asking me all these questions, and uh, I was just like, "It's mosquito spray. It's for you know." <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not. It's like I'm not going to spray someone, but uh, they confiscated my mosquito spray. Not too happy about that. They also confiscated my sunscreen, uh, and it's just like little things. But it's just like, uh, what can I do? I mean, I, 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 I usually don't check in anything. I like, like we like to try, right, uh, carry right. on. So, what can you do uh, to speed up that process? Any tips or advice there? Um, the, the key is to know the rules. So, for example, when I go to the UK, I know that they're very strict. So they want everything in that little plastic bag and it must be sealed and you can only have one and if they find something else uh, they have really good equipment so if they find another bottle of something um it's going to be really it, it's going to be a 45 minute delay because they're going to search everything they they will take everything under very slow so um what i do when i go through this particular airport i make sure i follow the rules I am just as frustrated as you are because some of them are really draconian. But I, I get it. I get what they're trying to do. And my protesting is not going to solve anything. It's just going to delay my travels. So if you have stuff like, um, if you can't check your bags, then just tell yourself that I'm going to have to buy these things when I arrive. 
Um, so it's probably going to cost you a little more. I mean, I've had to decide, should I take my deodorant or should I take my, my hand lotion? Um, and it's only because I was coming to the UK and the little plastic bag couldn't hold my deodorant. It was either deodorant or the thing. And so I tossed the deodorant because I want my hand lotion and I had to go buy deodorant again for, so when I, for my next shower. So it's like little things like that. So just, just read. If you have to pack a bag or check a bag, then check a bag. I try not to check bags because my travel is really haphazard. So then um, I make sure that I buy the little, the little tiny containers. And you can buy them in the airport. It's going to cost you a little more. Um, but, you know, you can't get around it. They're going to take your water away, which the water thing is my biggest pet peeve, uh, especially in like some airports where you just, like in um, Lima, matter of fact, you buy the water at the button right next to the plane. And you get on the plane, you come into the US, and they take the water away. I'm like, I'm already in security. I just bought the water from there. Why are you taking my water away again? Now that's irritating, but there's nothing you can do about it, but just not buy the water because they're gonna take it away. Um, so little things, there's some things that you just, you have no control over it, and you just have to, you just have to deal with it. Um, if you have stuff in your pockets, Take all that stuff out. Just put everything in your bag and zip your bag up and put your bag through. Uh, what I do is um, because I have like a hard drive and a computer and stuff with me, I will take them all out because it is quicker for me to take them out than for them to, to stop me in 45 minutes later. Because I, I, I like airport lounges, so that's 45 minutes of my lunch time they're taking up, but I don't want that. <laughs> Awesome. Hey, uh, you know, I, I loved uh, chatting with you on this interview, uh, and I, I'm sure all of the listeners and viewers, they got so much valuable insights about so many different aspects of travel that we covered. So if people wanted to maybe pick your brain a little bit more, uh, you know, sign up for your email list, follow you on social media, uh, connect with you deeper, how can they do that? Sure. On social media, I'm Loyalty Travels, so it's L-O-Y-A-L-T-Y, Travels, it's all one together. Uh, you can find me on, on Twitter and Instagram uh, as there. If you actually uh, search for me, uh, Kerwin McKenzie, um, you will find you will find me out there. Um, you can go to passrider.com, and uh, I'm the one who answers the emails for all these sites. So probably the easiest thing to do is to search on my name, Kerwin McKenzie, on Google, and um, you will you will you will find me. If you get another McKenzie that's in Jamaica, it's not me. <laughs> But Kerwin McKenzie is just a search for that. And um, if you want to do it on social media, it's Loyalty Travels on Twitter and also on Instagram. Awesome. Well, uh, thanks for your time today and also sure. all of that experience and expertise. You've been uh, a great uh, wealth of knowledge for me uh, just as, a, as the host, but I'm sure for literally hundreds of other people who are listening and viewing this in the future as well. Excellent. Well, thank you, Rick. I appreciate it. Thanks for giving me this opportunity. You're welcome. Thanks for being on the show. Uh, so thanks, everyone, for tuning in to this episode of Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the videocast where we teach you so many things about travel, including how to make money while traveling, how to get through customs and security easier, how to uh, visit every country in the world. And I wish you the best in your journey to visit all 183. We'd love to have you back on the show, Kervin. Thank you, Rick. I'd love to come back as well. Have a good one. Have a good one. Right, so man. thanks, everyone. We'll, we'll catch you in the next episode. Happy travels. And uh, make sure you subscribe, comment, and share on our videos, on our iTunes as well. And uh, thanks for tuning in to this episode of Digital Nomad Mastery.